is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Catholic Review Radio is a weekly radio program and podcast hosted by Catholic Review Media, the news operation of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic partners for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to our listeners each week. Welcome to Catholic Review Radio. I'm George Matisek. Our guest today is Eleanor Borg Nicholson, the author of a new children's book called The Hound of the Lord, The Story of St. Dominic. Eleanor, thanks so much for being here on Catholic Review Radio. Thank you so much for having me. So I really enjoyed reading your book. I've got five kids of my own and we're anxiously awaiting them to get the opportunity to read it. And I love the narration of the book. It's done in the voice of a dog. Can can you explain how that came about and what the inspiration was for the book? Uh, well, it comes from an old legend that when she was pregnant with St. Dominic, his mother, Blessed Jane of Aza, had a dream. She gave birth to a dog with a torch torch in its mouth and the dog set the world on fire and that's taken to represent saint dominic um it's also playing on a on a medieval pun dominicanes means hounds of the lord so that saint dominic was the hound of the lord who set the world on fire with his zeal and love for christ in his preaching um so i have always loved that particular legend and loving saint dominic if when I decided to try and present his story to children, feeling he was not as well known by children as I'd like him to be, of course, I was going to have Torch the Dominican dog tell the story. And how did you get into the voice of the dog, so to speak? <laughs> well, um, it's funny. It originated in about, oh golly, 2010, I think it was. I was in Spain. I was in Caleruega, which is the birthplace of St. Dominic. Maybe it was 2011. No, 2010. Um, and when I arrived... I walked into the sort of the center of this very small uh, city and this little stray dog ran up to me, felt like a kiss from St. Dominic. So again, I had this sense of the dog and just the joy of, of you know, a joyful companion to St. Dominic. Um, I don't know. He just, it was the, he, his voice was pretty oddly natural the way that someone would joyfully enthusiastically follow St. Dominic around. Maybe there's a little bit of me in there following St. Dominic around at his heels um, and the dog also has normal appetites. He gets tired. He gets frustrated when St. Dominic's praying, like, I love you, but could we play or something? Right. Uh, that's probably my, my, this, that's me. That's me. <laughs> like, I love you all you saints, but can we play? And then of course the saint shows you the direction for that, that desire to play, that desire for, for happiness on a sort of much small, lower level of sanctity, let's say. <laughs> Why is it important for children to know the story of St. Dominic? You, you mentioned that you had the sense that not a, pe not a lot of people in general know about St. Dominic. Uh, why is it important to tell his story? Um, he's such a beautiful example to us, and he speaks to us in our present day. I'm a uh, lay Dominican, so I have a deep love of St. Dominic personally for his zealous defense of the truth, which was also wedded to compassion towards sinners. I mean, St. Dominic literally wept for sinners. And I think in our desire to face so much confusion and so much error today, uh, which I think we do need to instill in our children, having them at the same time have such a deep love for others that they're not, you know, proselytizing by beating people over the head and saying, you're wrong, you're wrong, but loving 
sinners, recognizing themselves as sinners. It just can be an illuminative. Uh, he's an illuminative saint, I think, when you are raising young people today. Uh, we have five children and wanting them to be zealous for truth, but also full of, full, full of that love, not just for Christ, but for fallen man. St. Dominic is known for being dispatched to, to fight heresy, but he does it in a way that's, that's very soft and gentle. He, he uses reason to try to win people over rather than smashing out disbelief or, or the improper forms of belief. Uh, could you talk about that and, and how that's conveyed in your book? Well, I think um, the best example is actually looking to St. Dominic's love of Our Lady. So there was a point in his life where he was getting a little frustrated. He was preaching and he didn't seem to be making much headway, right? And there are prevalent heresies at the time. He founded his order to battle Albigensianism, which was very widespread, a sort of neo-Manichaean understanding that, you know, there's good and there's evil and the spirit is the only thing that's good and bodies are evil. Anyway, so he's trying to battle that and he's trying to battle corruption. And so what does he do? He goes off and he prays and doesn't eat for several days. And then Our Lady appears to him and gives him the rosary and says, here's your weapon. Here's your weapon. So if we look at Our Lady and what she's saying there is that prayerful engagement with the life of Christ is our weapon rather than, you know, decapitating heretics or something dreadful, um, horrific, but going in love and preaching the gospel, it, it, that, that, is, that is the way I think that St. Dominic is showing us. And he seems to be open to conversation. Like, yes, he's not just browbeating people. He's he's trying to have a back and forth. There's also the story of uh, St. Dominic with the innkeeper who was an Albigensian. So he stayed up all night talking to this innkeeper, persuading him until the morning when the innkeeper finally returned to the faith, to the, to the true faith. He could have said, I'm sorry, I'm shaking the dust from my feet. I'm not staying in a house with a heretic. No, he stayed up all night speaking with him. Again, there's that love. There's that love that has to undergird the missionary zeal. What lessons do you think there are from his stories today, especially as we talk so much about evangelization and the new evangelization? What approach does St. Dominic offer for evangelization in today's time? Oh, that completely unerring defense of truth. Again, balanced with that love because it's very easy to say, I don't want to offend anyone. I don't want to uh, raise difficult issues, but with prayer, with study, and with that love, you can and must defend the truth unequivocally, clearly. The, the, the Dominican tradition, which is of course shored up by the work of other Dominicans like St. Thomas Aquinas, um, is very very clear, very coherent. It's one of the first things that attracted me to the Dominican order was how perfectly logical and clear everything is. So it wasn't just sort of mushy or emotional. It wasn't just sort of um, badly argued, but really compelling in its portrayal of the truth, pre presentation of the truth. Here in the Archdiocese of Baltimore, we're very blessed to have the Dominican serve at Saints Philip and James Parish, mm -hmm. which is within walking distance of Johns Hopkins University, where the Dominicans also serve as chaplains. So uh, we get a firsthand view of their service and ministry here in the Archdiocese of Baltimore, and we're very blessed by their presence. 
Well, we're also, um, I'm in Charlottesville, Virginia. So technically the Diocese of Richmond falls under the Archdiocese of Baltimore. And we have some of the same Dominicans um, who have served up there are down at my parish as well. So we're in the, we're in the same region, the same Dominican province. And then we also have the uh, Dominicans of St. Cecilia at Mount DeSales in Catonsville. So they do a great job there as well. They're like the red blood cells of the church. The yep. sisters. <laughs> what most impresses you about St. Dominic's story? That joy, his joy, his joy, which was he radiated joy. They talked to some uh, people who knew him during his life, talked about how his face radiated joy, that it just shone with the love of Christ. Um and that's something that I desired for myself, but also for my children, that they be so full of joy in all that they do, because, you know, we love our children. We want to spare them suffering, even though we recognize that suffering is something they will need for their sanctification. Um, but we want them to have that joy because it will sustain them through everything that comes. They will have sorrows. They will have losses. They will have struggles. But if they have that joy they'll, they'll survive. They'll, they'll make it through and God willing become saints themselves. What has been the response to the book so far, especially from children? Mine were over the moon because they said I'd finally written something they could read. Um, (laughs) They aren't allowed to read many of my other books. Um, But, uh, and children of the parish uh, came to me very excited about it. So that's been really beautiful to have a lot of children coming up to me and saying how much they enjoyed it. But their mothers as well, their mothers and fathers as well. But it was the children coming up to me and saying how excited they were to read it and how much they enjoyed it and how they just loved the dog. Everybody loves the dog. <laughs> and it has great illustrations too. Uh, who is the illustrator and how did you come to work with her? Um, I actually do not know her personally. I sent my manuscript to Ignatius Press and they sent me the finished book and said, would you approve this? So they, they, I had a list of recommendations because I wanted to talk about the attributes of the saint. So I said, you know, these are the things that I think are important because I mean, if you had, if you don't have those attributes, you could have an illustration of a Dominican and say, which one is it? You know, Um, it's like, but, Oh, there's a star or, Oh, he's holding a book or, Oh, he has blue wings. That's Vincent fair. So being able to identify aspects of St. Dominic, not just the dog, but, um, the shining light above his forehead or on his forehead. He has an association with orange, orange blot or uh, leaves of an orange tree and orange blossoms. Also being able to recognize what the Dominican cross looks like. Those are things that I try in homeschooling to show my children so that, that when they look at any depiction of a saint, they can start to pick out what are those little attributes so that the uh, artist is, what is the artist trying to convey or who is the artist trying to convey by recognizing those attributes? Can you talk about how those attributes came to be associated with St. Dominic? We, we had already talked about the torch and the dog, but how did the light and the orange oranges get well, associated? Well, the light, um, there was also an early legend that there was a light seen on his forehead. I think when he was a baby as well, um, just sort of showing inspiration illumination but also that zeal that love for god um but the orange blossom he is credited with bringing a plant from spain to rome and in the angelicum in rome there is an orange tree that is believed to be a descendant of or sort of taken from the original shoot of saint dominic's orange tree our dominicans have i think they have a fig tree instead because the orange couldn't make it in our 
in our zone. So I think they have a fig tree in their courtyard. Okay. Representing the the fruit tree of St. Dominic. Yeah, I know the uh, Pontifical North American College in Rome also has an orange grove, but I don't know if it's associated with the Dominicans or not, but it's interesting. Maybe they took a shoot. Maybe they yeah. took a shoot. <laughs> there you go. Well, our guest today is Eleanor Borg Nicholson. She's the author of the new book, The Hound of the Lord, The Story of St. Dominic, published by Magnificat Ignatius Press. We're going to take a little break, and when we come back, we'll continue our conversation. I'm George Matisek. You're listening to Catholic Review Radio. We'll be back in a moment. Archdiocese of Baltimore makes the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through training and background checks and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese's efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org accountability. Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. Loyola Blakefield running back Kendrick Worthington was haunted by last year's Turkey Bowl. He was bottled up by Calvert Hall defenders for no gain with 11 seconds left, turning the ball over on downs as the Cardinals clinched the victory in 2022. Worthington got a shot at his redemption and he responded in a dominant fashion for the Dons. The junior running back rushed for 226 yards on 26 carries with three touchdowns, leading the Dons to a 40-28 victory in the 103rd Thanksgiving game on Thursday in front of a capacity crowd at Towson University. Loyola has a commanding 51-44-8 record in the century-long series and won for the second time in three years. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. Luisa Roldan, who became the first famous Spanish female artist and rose to be named court sculptor to the King of Spain, created exquisite devotional sculptures in wood and clay in the late 1600s. One of these, The Education of the Virgin, is now on view in the exhibit, making her mark at the Baltimore Museum of Art, and is one of many works showing what female artists achieved in the pre-modern era before 1800. Making her mark is on view at the Baltimore Museum of Art through January 7th. The museum is open Wednesday through Sunday. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. Alina Kerbiel, a parishioner at St. Joseph Church in Fullerton, says taking art courses not only allows seniors to tap into their creative side, but it also has health benefits. Kerbiel, a native of Poland and a computer scientist, teaches drawing and painting in Notre Dame of Maryland University's Renaissance Institute, as well as with Baltimore County's Seven Oaks Senior Center. The art classes can be an important part of seniors maintaining their cognitive ability, as well as a terrific way of socializing. The Perry Hall resident and mother of three said, quote, Creativity involves problem solving and thinking outside the box, which can stimulate different areas of the brain, end quote. The weekly classes, conducted mostly remotely, often include up to 40 participants. At the end of each session, participants share and analyze each other's work. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. For Catholic Review Media, I'm Kevin Parks. As parents, we want to put our children on the right path, one that leads them to become intelligent, responsible, compassionate adults. That path begins with a Catholic education. Catholic schools inspire academic excellence with a balanced curriculum that integrates music, arts, world language, and Catholic faith, while challenging students in the areas of science, math, and technology. Help your child reach their full potential. Enroll in a Catholic school today. 
With inviting surroundings, complete independence, and an unmatched quality of life, Mercy Ridge is the unparalleled choice for your retirement lifestyle. It's a way of living that promotes an active, healthier life. Located in Timonium, Maryland, Mercy Ridge Continuing Care Retirement Community features a beautifully landscaped 32-acre campus. The grounds, dining, and recreational amenities and residences are designed to provide a gracious lifestyle and a variety of exciting activities. Visit MercyRidge.com. I have been a school sister of Notre Dame for 72 years. Most senior Catholic sisters, brothers, and religious order priests served for years with little pay. I always taught the primary grades, and I loved it. Today, hundreds of religious communities lack retirement funds. Your gift to the Retirement Fund for Religious helps provide medications and care. Please give to those who have given a lifetime. Thank you, and God bless you a hundredfold. Donate at your local parish. This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio. Welcome back to Catholic Review Radio. I'm George Matisek. We're talking today to Eleanor Borg Nicholson. She is the author of a new children's book called The Hound of the Lord, the story of St. Dominic. Eleanor, uh, what kind of research went into your book? Uh, How did you research it? Well, when I began to write it, I was the director of religious education at our parish. So I was already doing research, reading about St. Dominic, studying St. Dominic, something that I did as well as a lay Dominican, um, reading early source material, but also reading different uh, contemporary uh, biographies. um, So that I specifically so I could present saints to children in the parish. But then I submitted my original manuscript to a line of Dominican friars and received their feedback and their guidance. So that was hugely helpful as well. Um, So they were able to comment on various ways that I was presenting certain stories and certain legends, give me additional stories. We hear a great deal about Dominican saints at our parish because we are a Dominican parish. So I had a very supportive community in writing this particular book. And what is your parish and what city? St. Thomas Aquinas in Charlottesville, Virginia. We're a university parish. We are at the University of Virginia. It's a very interesting um, example of Dominican work actually because it's a secular university and we have an extremely robust campus ministry, but it's a campus ministry that is integrated into parish life. So we don't just support the students. We see ourselves as forming them as Catholic adults, teaching them what it is to participate in a parish, how to be integrated with all the different uh, groups and levels of you know, real people in the pews, not just students, at the same time presenting an evangelizing front to a very secular university. Um, and as I said, it's been staffed by Dominicans for over 50 years. So it's a uh, they're actively doing the work of St. Dominic, and it, I still am uh, working at the parish. It's something that we take very seriously, the missionary opportunities of the Dominican order. This is written specifically for children, but I, I think adults can also learn a lot from this book. Uh, how do you hope that the book will be used, especially in families, or what are some of the ways that families and, and parents can, can use this book? So many ways. So in my copies, my author copies arrived. My two eldest daughters carried off copies. Now they're in sixth grade and fourth grade, so they read it in a sitting. 
Then my um, rising second grader, he carried off a copy and read it by himself. But then I pulled it out and I read it aloud as a chapter book to him and to his younger brother and his younger sister. So we did that over two, two nights. It's not very, not very long. And the result was that it not only was something that was read privately, was read uh, aloud, it was something that became a conversation point. And they were then telling, when their father got home from work, telling him parts of the story, which he already knew. So he was able to be part of a, a whole saintly conversation. And it's come back up many times in conversation and in prayer so that they're able to say, oh, not only can we recognize attributes of St. Dominic at our parish, but we can apply aspects of his life in challenging conversations or not so challenging conversations. So I think living liturgically and really engaging with saints as a family, it conveys to children the sense that this is important and this is an integrated and natural part of a healthy Catholic life. Do you have other books in the works about the saints or have you published uh, previous works on the saints? Not on the saints, not previous works on the saints, but I am working on a follow-on book. It just depends how long it takes me to finish it. I have other projects in hand, but uh, no, I'd like to, I would like to do more with, with Torch and with the Dominicans. To have a, another, a sequel to this book? That would be fun. <laughs> I would like, I would like to. There are many Dominican saints who, that, who could really deserve a little bit more attention. And how can people get a copy of your book? It's available at Ignatius Press on their website. You can also get it directly from me if you want a signed copy. My website is my full name. But if you just search Eleanor Nicholson, Pound of the Lord, I should come up. Um, and any major booksellers, Catholic booksellers. But yeah, if you can order either from me or from the publisher, that always benefits Catholic publishing. Mm -hmm. And you also do work in homeschooling. Could you tell us a little bit about that? I am a high school teacher for uh, Homeschool Connections, and I teach literature courses, mostly Victorian, but not solely. And I have done scholarly work on various classics with Ignatius. I've edited several of their Ignatius Press critical editions. So, uh, no, it, I love that as well. So, it, as I said, we homeschool, but it's a lot of fun to be teaching high schoolers at the same time, even before I have my own. Well, our guest today has been Eleanor Borg Nicholson. She's the author of a new children's book called The Hound of the Lord, The Story of St. Dominic. Eleanor, thanks so much again for being here on Catholic Review Radio. Thank you for having me again. For Catholic Review Radio, I'm George Matisek. Thanks for listening. Looking for fun things to do this Christmas season? Parishes throughout the Archdiocese of Baltimore are hosting concerts, crafts, cookie-making workshops, and much more. Here's just a sampling of some upcoming events. Catholic Charities presents its annual Christmas festival at the Baltimore Basilica, featuring the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra and the Morgan State University Choir on December 14th at 7.30 p.m. Just two days later, on December 16th, the Baltimore Basilica will host the long-awaited return of Maestro Edward Polachek's rendition of Handel's Messiah. Polachek will conduct the Baltimore Basilica Festival Orchestra and Chorus from the harpsichord in what promises to be a special event beginning at 3 p.m. On December 17th at 4 p.m., the St. Louis Concert Chorus, the Orchestra of St. Louis, and guest soloist will perform carols, holiday classics, and contemporary favorites at St. Louis Church in Clarksville. 
That same day, December 17th at 5 p.m., the Cathedral Choir of the Cathedral of Mary Our Queen in Homeland will present its candlelit service of lessons and carols. Be sure to check out also the drive through Christmas display at St. Anne in Hagerstown and live nativities offered at Archbishop Curley High School in Baltimore and Immaculate Heart of Mary in Baynesville. For more information on all of these events and many more, visit catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. Merry Christmas from all of us at the Catholic Review. I have been a school sister of Notre Dame for 72 years. Most senior Catholic sisters, brothers, and religious order priests serve for years with little pay. I always taught the primary grades, and I loved it. Today, hundreds of religious communities lack retirement funds. Your gift to the Retirement Fund for Religious helps provide medications and care. Please give to those who have given a lifetime. Thank you, and God bless you a hundredfold. Donate at your local parish. Remember the spirit of your parish community, the power of worshiping together, the warmth of friends new and old who share your faith. Join us for Mass this weekend. Visit archbelt.org to find a Catholic parish near you. Feel the joy. You're probably not getting much church news in your daily newspaper or on your local TV station. The Catholic Review is the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the Catholic Church full-time. There are so many ways to stay in touch with the Catholic Review. Pick up the monthly magazine at your parish or have it delivered to your home. Get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to our e-newsletter for twice-weekly updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Catholic Review Media will inspire, teach, inform, and engage you wherever your faith takes you. Read it today in print or online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. Tune in to Catholic Review Radio next week. Available on WMET 1160 AM and 103.1 FM. Also, WSJF 92.7 FM in the Sykesville area and WVTO 92.7 FM in Baltimore City. Check us out on SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Review Radio. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May Almighty God bless us and keep us always in his love.